So let's get to it this morning. First of all, if you don't have a notebook, raise your hand. If you don't have something to write on, great. Find a human nearby because today what we're going to share with you is probably worth writing down. So you want to definitely capture it. Years ago, I met a very, very successful man. He taught me something I never forgot for the rest of my life. He said, Tony, whatever you do in your life, whenever you find you're going to go someplace where there are some great ideas and great resources, he said, always make sure you take a pen and paper. He said, because what you want to do is you want to be able to capture those ideas and cement them to paper so you can review them in the future. In fact, what he got me to do was to keep a journal. And I would highly encourage you, by the time you come to the next management session, or maybe even during a break today if you wanted to, to get yourself a hardbound journal. Hardbound journal meaning not a loose leaf. And you can get those in all kinds of stationery stores, some religious bookstores. And the bottom line is, if you keep a journal, you don't even write it every day, but when you get thoughts or ideas, you capture it there, you can't believe it will happen. You'll start to accumulate a wealth of knowledge and ability and skills and resources that not only will help you, but you can help other people as well. I've been keeping journals myself now for about a dozen years. And I go back and review my life, and it has two real values, I think. One is, it gives you a chance to really see how much you've grown. Because how many of you have kids? I'm curious. How many of you have somebody come up and say, boy, your kid's really growing? You go, really? <laughs> because you're so close to them, you don't notice it as much. How many have found that to be true? Guess what? It's even worse with yourself. Sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for the amount that we're growing. But I'll tell you one thing. If you keep a journal, it won't be hard to see how much you're growing. Because you'll see the kind of goals you had back then, the kind of things you thought back in those days. And you'll begin to see the evolution of your growth. Also, I personally believe that if life's worth living, it's worth recording. And it's an incredible gift to give to your children because someday they get to know exactly how you were at different times in your life and they get to learn your lessons without having to go through it. So I highly encourage you to do that. But as a very minimum, let's make sure we take notes. You guys ready to crank? Yes. Thanks. Let's do it. So this whole weekend is about connecting and communication. Really, it's about communication and relationship and how to make everything more worthwhile. And the technology that we're going to share with you this weekend has a unique name. We call it reality bridging. Reality bridging. I'm going to make you go into a deep trance trying to figure out what that means, right? We're going to clarify it for you. But reality bridging, it's the technology of vital communication and true freedom. Because what you're going to find is, you're going to find there's going to be a vitality in your communication when you start using the techniques we're going to teach you. And there's going to be a sense of absolute freedom where you can share with somebody what your real feelings are and never ever offend them. They won't have to hear you and cry and feel bad. And you won't feel so bad either. We want to make sure the communication is vital, that you're always connecting, that you feel good when you're communicating, so does the person you're communicating with, and it produces results. That's our outcome. And to be able to do that without having to worry creates an unbelievable level of freedom for people. Because how many of you, be honest, have felt feelings at times and you were upset, but you didn't share it because you didn't know how, or you didn't share it because... Well, you thought, well, maybe it's really about me, or you didn't share it because you didn't want to offend somebody even though you were mad or upset. How many have had that experience in the past? And when you don't share something, what happens when you just keep it inside and build it up? Yeah, it festers. Does it get better or worse? It gets a lot worse, and eventually what happens when you blow up about something that could have been handled so much easier along the way. But then there's the other approach, which is you're looking for things on a regular basis to be able to give people feedback about and some people develop that habit. Or you communicate in a way where basically you're communicating your feelings, like you're upset, but do you always have all the information? No. And so you're making a decision about how to feel based on false information. How many of you have ever gotten upset and later on felt a little dumb because you found out you were upset about something you really shouldn't have been upset about? 
So one philosophy says, keep it inside. The other philosophy says, well, get it out. Well, what if you get it out and then you find out you were wrong? By the way, do we like being wrong? No. So then what would we probably do? Justify, defend? Well, that's, well, yeah, I didn't know that. But uh, if you, you've done that before. <laughs> right? And that does not make a relationship work. Plus, that person gets upset. It's kind of like, anybody ever come up to you and say, uh, you know, why are you upset? And you go, I'm not upset. You go, no, yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Well, I'm getting upset. Okay, that also happens unless we're really clear. So what we're really going to do is we're going to start our whole basis of studying of communication to remember one thing, and write this in your notes if you would, and that is the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your communication. The quality of your life is the quality of your communication, period. The quality of your life is the quality of your communication. Now, pretty basic idea. Nothing earth-shattering, but I'm here to tell you that's the enti your entire life comes down to this. The quality of your entire life comes down to the quality of how you communicate. With whom? No, no. With whom first do you think it determines how you... That's right. The quality of your life starts with the quality of how you communicate to yourself. That's where it all starts. How you feel is not based on the environment. Is it based, like, how you feel? Is that determined based on, like, whether or not you have lots of money? Yes or no? I think a little mixed reaction on that one. They go, well, no, no, it's not. No, absolutely not. No. How's that for incongruent communication from a lot of you? Right? Okay, some of you have a little mixed feelings about this, don't you? But let me ask you a question. How many of you know somebody who has tons of money and is still not happy? Ah, interesting. How many of you know somebody who doesn't have any money at all but seems to be very happy? So does money determine your happiness, yes or no? How many know if you had lots of money, though, you'd be happy, you're different? <laughs> okay. If I had your money, I'd be happy. No problem. Give me your money and we'll try, okay? <laughs> People say money can't buy happiness, don't know where to shop. <laughs> now, see, that? that's not going to do it, is it? It's not the money. It's how you communicate yourself about money, your lack of it or the abundance you think you have. By the way, can people have an abundance but communicate to themselves that they're still in scarcity, yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. So money doesn't do it. Is how you feel determined by uh, whether or not uh, the weather is good? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, really? Are there people in freezing weather who are very happy, yes or no? Yes. Are there people in hot weather that are very happy, yes or no? Yes. Are there people that are in either one of those weathers in the opposite degree that have opposite feelings? Is that trans you out yet? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> See, the weather doesn't determine it. Is it whether you're happy or not determined by whether or not other people say they love you? You go, yes, but you, but it, it shouldn't. <laughs> so you sit there and should all over yourself, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You're right, it probably shouldn't, but a lot of us connect that real directly. But i got a question for you. Somebody comes up to you and they tell you, I love you. <laughs> or they come up and they hug you. Or they look at you that certain special way. <laughs> or they kiss you passionately. And you have these feelings. And they begin to come to attention, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> 
of stuff happens. When all that stuff happens, my question for you is, wait, what made all that happen? Was it really the kiss that did it? Yes, <laughs> No, I don't think so. If that's true, kissing your dog would get you excited. <laughs> it wasn't a kiss. It was the meaning you associated to that particular moment when tissue touched tissue in that unique way. That's really it, isn't it? It isn't actually... <laughs> yes! It isn't actually the event itself, is it? It is rather what we communicated to ourselves about that event. Somebody hugs you and you feel good. Do they make you feel good, yes or no? No, what makes you feel good is you've got a set of rules inside your head that say if somebody touches me quite like this, they look like that, sound, smell, feel like this, then I get to say, ooh. <laughs> and so you say, okay, it's time to feel good, and your brain goes, and you start feeling good. Right? So the bottom line is we determine how we feel by the way we communicate to ourselves, by the meaning that we communicate about a situation. See, it's not the event that determines how we feel. It's the meaning that we associate to the event that determines how we feel. And that meaning is something we create and we communicate to ourselves. If you're upset about anything, all upsets come down to the meaning you associate to something. You're upset about something, it's because you're thinking, well, that's because this means they don't care about me, or this means I'm no longer in control, or this means I'm not respected, or this means all upset is based on a meaning. And how many times have you been wrong when you linked up the meaning? Anybody been wrong, yes or no? Yes, this means yes, I'll guide you through this, okay? We've all been wrong. So what we've got to really be able to do is to realize one thing and write it in your notes. Nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that I give it. Nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that I give it. Nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that I give it. You're the one that puts the label on what things mean. And the last time you were with me, I gave you a phrase when we talked about transformational vocabulary. If you recall, transformational vocabulary is the idea that we get all these pictures and sounds and feelings and sensations start to come in our body, but we don't know what it means until we put a label on it. So you get all these things and they feel uncomfortable, they feel kind of painful, and you call that humiliation. Will that intensify the feeling more than if you say, you know, I'm a little frustrated? Yes or no? You better believe it. The label we put on our experience becomes our experience. And we are the person doing the labeling. Now, granted, I'll agree that most of us are an automatic pilot. We're using a labeling and a communication process that we don't even think about consciously. And we can easily point to other people and show how they created that feeling for us. And certainly they helped us to get into state. They helped us by giving us some feedback, but we still determine the feeling. I'll give you an example. I was in Hawaii recently. I couldn't believe it. I read this article, and I saw the thing on TV where they interviewed this guy. He was out swimming and the shark came and bit his leg off. Yeah, you'd think he'd be fairly upset. <laughs> why would you be upset if, some, if you lost your leg? After the initial pain, why would you stay upset? 
because of the meaning you'd link to that, right? What would be the meaning that would make you feel, feel upset all the time? That's right, the meaning of loss, that you had lost something. See, almost all pain, all pain you're ever going to feel in your life, the pain that people have that makes them upset, it all starts with, there's, I, I call it emotional anatomy. It all starts in one place. Pain starts with, number one, I'll put it down at the bottom here, a feeling of loss. A feeling of loss. Now, can you ever really lose anything? Only if you perceive that there's a loss. Is that true? Are you following me on this now for a second? You can only feel loss if you perceive it. In other words, you have to tell yourself there's a loss. You have to communicate that you've lost something. This man was not upset. In fact, he was concerned about the shark. Yeah, you say, this guy's on drugs. No, he was sincere. Because his belief was that, number one, he was responsible, not the shark, because he was, he was a swimmer and he knew that in the area he was were sharks, and if he's thrashing around on the top, they think it's a turtle, they'll come after him. But his concern was that people were so upset about it that people were going to go out and rage and kill the sharks in that area. How's that for sorting by others instead of sorting by self? So the meaning for him was, this was a learning experience. That's what it meant to him. For other people, it would mean, I'm maimed for life. With the different meaning that he communicated, if he would have said, I'm maimed for life, I'll never be the same. You know, I can never accomplish anything. I'll never, a woman will never be attracted to me. I'll be a gimp for the rest of my life. If he would have linked those meanings, do you think he would have been in the same state, yes or no? No way. By the way, maybe this is temporary, right? I don't know. I don't know this guy. I'm not going to be around a long time to meet him. But I can tell you for years what I've done is interview people who are absolutely what I think are spiritual masters. What I mean by spiritual master is not flying to the east and meeting somebody who sits and meditates. I mean somebody who doesn't have the use of their legs or their arms and lives in absolute joy and is totally loving and tries to figure out how to contribute to other people. To me, that's a spiritual master. And I'll tell you what, there's tons of them. And they're my friends now. Because I go to learn from them. You know what I find out? They have developed belief systems that have helped them to interpret human behavior in a way that causes them not to be upset. Because no matter what happens, they finally figured out something. If you want to succeed in life, figure out how it works. And then do it that way. Not the way you think it should be. See, what most of us do is we run around in life with all these rules about how life should be, about how you should be, about how you should be, how doctors should be, how staff should be, how patients should be. But you know how they're going to be? How they really are. Not how you want them to be. And then every time they don't meet your criteria, rah, you communicate to yourself, it's time to be annoyed. <laughs> or maybe a more intense word. Is that true? When you have an upset of any sort, you're feeling some negative emotion, it always comes down to really you have a feeling of what? Loss. But do you ever really lose? No, you don't ever lose anything. It just changes form. Hey, nothing in the entire universe ever disappears. Nothing. Not your physical body, not rocks, not stones, nothing. Everything in the uniform, universe transforms from one form to another. You take water, you try and destroy it, let's say you boil it, what does it become? Steam. Everything in the world transforms to a higher level. It's always transforming. You've got to realize you can't lose anything. You can transform things, but you can't lose anything. Now you can try and pretend you've lost something. You can like, be upset with somebody and then go, oh my God, I've lost their love, or, or they've lost mine, or I've lost respect. How do you lose respect? 
You can't lose something that's already inside of you. See, the problem is people are, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> love is not something you have to go looking for when it's where you come from. A friend of mine said that, Michael Havley. Wow, what a great thing to remember. Love is not something you have to go looking for when it's where you come from. See, you can't lose something. Everything you thought you'd lose is already inside of you. See, if you won't feel respect, it's because you aren't choosing to focus on being respected. You're not communicating to yourself. You should be respected. What if I said something to you? And I said it in a way that made you feel disrespected. It made you feel disrespected or you took what I said manage to interpret it, represent to yourself, and communicate to yourself that my saying it in that tone of voice means I don't respect you, therefore you can't have these feelings. Does that make any sense? No. Do we do it all the time? Yes. Do we want to continue to do it? No. Okay? We want to change that. You can't ever lose anything. Now you can perceive you've lost something. And by the way, do some people who've not lost a limb, not lost their eyesight, not lost anything, feel like they've lost over little stupid things, yes or no? Some people feel lost about something they never even had in the first place. Like they had this goal and it didn't happen. And then they go, shh, I lost my goal. You never had it. <laughs> or they have this expectation. Most upsets are about expectations that aren't met. Isn't that true? You expect somebody to do something. You expected yourself to do something. You expected life to do something. You expected the weather to be a certain way and it didn't happen. You go, oh, I lost out. How could you lose out on something you never had? You must have been very confused. So you can't lose. But if you want to feel bad, what you have to do is have the illusion of loss. Create the illusion of loss. That's all you have to do to feel bad. So I'll guide you on how to feel bad. Step one, feel bad. Create the illusion of loss. I want you to make sure you take notes. The next time you want to feel bad, you know what to do. Okay. Now, after the illusion of loss, what that usually does is that creates a second major emotion in the anatomy of human emotion, and that is feeling of hurt feel hurt. And usually what happens is people don't notice the loss thing, they notice they feel hurt. If they're sensitive. Because this stuff happens pretty fast, doesn't it? And we've forgotten it's loss. All we know is we feel hurt. Anytime somebody feels hurt, what it really is, they have a sense of loss about something. They lost out on their expectation, they lost out on what they thought they had, they think they've lost out on something else, they think they're missing out, they think something has changed, they think they're losing something, and they feel bad, they feel hurt. How many of you have felt hurt in a personal relationship? Great. Tell me, raise your hand and tell me, what did you feel hurt about? Give me an example. Yes, sir. You felt hurt about dishonesty, meaning you felt this person had been dishonest with you. Now, are we absolutely certain that this person was dishonest, that he felt that was dishonest? Yes or no? Is it possible this person was not dishonest, but rather he interpreted their behavior as dishonest? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. I had a conversation with my mom not long ago. I couldn't even believe it. She was like all hurt. She said, I'm really, and she, was, she went to the next level. I might as well tell you what it is. Most people, by the way, don't stay in hurt. They manage to immediately amp up into anger. Is that true? That's right. And that's the third emotion. So if you're angry, what you really are is what? Hurt, which means you really just have a sense of what? That's really it. So my mom was upset. I was like, what are you upset with me about? I mean, what do I do? She goes, well, she uh, does flowers for seminars. And she asked me if I would contact this hotel 
and have the hotel like use her services. And I said, I'd be willing to, but I don't think they do that. I mean, they never do it for us. Well, she talked to somebody else, and that somebody else told her that the hotel does it all the time, and they contract with somebody else, so your son must not really care about you. Now, she was also in a very stressful state. Does the state we're in and just our normal life affect the way we interpret meaning? Yeah, she was stressed about a bunch of other things. So while she's in a stressful state, somebody said this to her, and she went, Oh, my son, he just thinks I'm a pain in the butt. He just, he just, he just wants to get rid of me. He must be ashamed of my work. He must not like my flowers. She, went, she created all this wonderful stuff. Can we create all kinds of shit in our head? How many are good at creating shit in your head? <laughs> okay. All right. Good. I am too. We all are. I'm not picking on my mom, trust me. <laughs> oh boy, it's on video. Now I'm really in deep shit. <laughs> she taught me everything I know. She did teach me a good deal of what I know. Gave me a great foundation for my life. Point is, though, seriously, is she's all upset. And she thought that I had lied to her. Now, first of all, when she said she li I had lied to her, what do you think happened to me? Like, me, honesty is one of my highest values. I'm probably too honest. I tell people everything. Right? What? Right? The fact that she questioned my honesty. How many of you, somebody questioned your honesty and you know you're honest? I mean, that really upsets you. What do you think I got when she said that? Angry. How could you say that? And plus, I just did all these things for you. And I started remembering all the stuff I was doing for her. And I said, I have never lied to you in my life. Well, maybe when I was a little kid, but not since then. I said, what are you talking? I can't even believe that. Why was I angry? Because I felt what by her statement? And I felt hurt because I had a sense of what? Loss. And my loss was, how could we lose that connection of knowing who each other are? When my own mom. I mean, do anything for her. I just got done doing this unique thing for her that, I mean, blew her out of her shorts. She didn't ever expect it. Right? Blew her out of her shorts. Interesting picture. <laughs> and so, you know, what happened, though, is I realized that if I responded to her in a state of anger, will that probably work? No, it didn't work. So I realized I needed to change my state. And I asked myself a question. It helped me a lot. The question I ask is, what's probably going on with her that makes her treat me this way? Or treat people this way? Or respond this way? Instead of, how dare she? Why? How can she treat me this way after I've done so much for her? Which would do what? Make you more what? Upset. Different question I ask is, I wonder what's going on with her that's making her respond this way? I wonder what she's stressed about. And I asked her, and she told me, she apologized, and just dropped right away. I'm here to tell you a belief I want you to remember for the rest of your life that if all you do is remember this out of the whole weekend and really remember it at the right times, it'll change the way you communicate with other human beings. And the belief is this, that in any communication with another human being where you get a response from someone, in any communication with another human being and you get a response from someone, that response is either a loving response or a cry for help. In any communication that you have with another human being, where they give you some kind of response, they respond to you in some way, then that communication is either a loving response or a cry for help. That's it. Those are the only two kinds of responses. So one more time. In any communication with another human being, and they respond to you, they communicate to you, they react to you, they respond to you, that reaction, that response, I don't care what it looks like on the outside or what it seems like, it's either a loving response or a cry for help. Which one do you think my mom was doing in this situation? Was that a loving response or a cry for help? It was a cry for help, and the help is saying, I'm feeling what? 
heard because I have a sense of what? It may not be true, but that's what I feel. And that person to cry for help. Now, how do most people respond to a cry for help? With another cry for help. Is that true? How did I first start to respond to my mom? She's angry with me. She doesn't have a right to be angry. How could she do this to me? What's going on? I get angry back. So I respond with a cry for help. How dare you? How can you say this to me? Don't pull this crap on me. Look what I do for you. What kind of crap is this? Interesting. So when two people are yelling at each other, crying for help back and forth, who gets help? Nobody. So you know what happens? The anger doesn't stop. What happens is the anger goes one place. Either it starts going out to other people and becomes resentment, which builds, and that resentment may be expressed or not expressed. Usually resentment is expressed non-verbally to other people, and some people do it by taking their resentment and they express it by what they call confrontation, and they actually feel good about it. They say, I'm not one of those people who keeps it inside. I confront people, little bastards. <laughs> That'll really build a quality communication, won't it? I confront, I don't keep it inside. You, I'll tell you what's wrong. Yesterday, when you did this and this and this, made me feel this way. I request in the future you change. Hmm. Everybody try this. Hmm. You know what? That doesn't work. It can work. Anything can work. The tone of voice you use is going to play a bigger role than what you say. How many would agree? Your facial expression is going to play a bigger role than what you say. How many agree? And somebody else can sit there and listen to you and say, yes, I'll abide by your request, but inside they're going, no. Okay, that's not communication. That's not quality communication. We want to change and enhance our format. The other thing we can do is when we feel anger, instead of resenting and confronting, we can just keep it inside. If we keep it inside, usually what it becomes is depression. People are depressed. They don't even know why. The reason people are depressed, they feel like they're not in control. Like things are happening they're not in control of. They're not able to communicate and get control of their life. And a lot of times, depression is directly related to the fact they've kept this anger inside and these upsets, and they haven't expressed them, they become depressed. How many can relate to this? Not you, but other people you've seen in real life. <laughs> I thought so. So the bottom line is, what we've got to do when somebody responds to us with a cry for help is give them what kind of response? Which of the two responses should we give somebody when they give us a cry for help? A loving response. Is that always easy to do? No. What it requires is you to remember that no matter what it looks like, they're just really crying for help. Somebody's angry! How dare you do this to me? You go, how dare you do this to me? Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> you guys are crying at each other. Eh, eh. <laughs> how dare you do this to me? You should go, oh. you should picture that. When they go, how dare you do this to me? You son of a... Why are you always... And you come back and go, I, I hear you. I appreciate you. I love you. That's, that's not my intent. How can we make this work? I'm willing to make it work. Thanks for sharing your real feelings with me. Let's do it. What do we need to do to make it work? How can we make you feel better? Because I'm committed to that. Well, well, you're there. I know. How can I make you feel better? How can I make you feel better? I can make you feel better because I love you. I can make you feel better. I'm willing to do it. What is it going to take? I can feel it. What will it take? Let's do it right now. 
Get the idea? You don't want to respond to cry for help by crying yourself. You want to be bigger. And the way you get bigger is you remember this. You remember it, you use it, you make it work. This will change your life, that one belief, if you also execute it. And you know what you're going to learn today? You're going to learn some skills today that are so easy and so simple that all you've got to do is commit to making them a habit so you don't have to think about it anymore. Your life will change forever. Your personal life, the way you communicate to yourself, your practice, your team, and most of you are already so bonded, you're incredible. But is there always a deeper level that we could pursue, yes or no? There's always a deeper connection. And if it's possible, should we pursue it? Yeah, why not have more ecstasy? Why not be closer? Why not be more loving? Why not be more connected? Why not do more? Why not create more? Why not make it happen? Why not? Why not us? Why not now? That's what we're going to do today. So get the feeling for what it is. It all comes down to meaning. We change the meaning, 